Welcome everyone to FF Plus, your outlet for weekly reviews that are simple, short, and spoiler-free. I'm your host, Aaron White, and excited to be with you again for this week. Quick note, I have been dealing with a lovely new addition to the family. I got a second Boston Terrier puppy just this past weekend, so I'm exhausted. My life has been a whirlwind the last few days. If you happen to hear any squeakiness in the background of podcasts over the next couple of weeks, just know that that's the reason. That's little Ellie, my baby girl, just saying hello. It's hard to find time to get away from her right now, but the show must go on. Also wanted to just give you a quick update. I haven't been watching a ton of stuff on my extra time lately, mainly because of the puppy, but also because of the NBA playoffs and the NHL playoffs, which are fantastic. And my teams are in and so far performing pretty well. So I've been watching as much as I can of those big, 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 big sports fan. Hopefully there's a crossover between sports lovers and movie lovers amongst my listenership. What I have been watching, though, is through the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise again. I'm doing that for a guest appearance on a fellow Seattle Film Critics podcast here very shortly, and I think we're going to have a really good conversation. I adore the series, and there's really just nothing quite like it, and I'm excited to talk with him and go through our feelings about the series as a whole. So I'll be sure to share out that information on all the social accounts and probably plug it on an episode of FF Plus or the main show as well, just to let you guys know that it's out so you can go give it a listen. I will get into our two reviews for this episode here very shortly. First off, just a quick note, if you're enjoying the show, we really would love for you to help us out by giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcast and or Spotify, wherever you listen. If you drop us a review on Apple Podcast, I'm going to start reading those out. I'm going to start doing that during our FF Plus episodes because it's something that really makes us feel good and helps a ton with visibility. And we just have stagnated. We aren't getting new reviews and we haven't in a long, long time. But the numbers say that you people are listening and we appreciate that. So if you have a couple minutes, if you have an Apple account and you're able to do that, we would again, just be extremely grateful. And then also reach out, as always, just a reminder, the links to all my social media accounts are in the show notes to each and every episode, and you can also find more links than you can shake a stick at there for the Facebook group and our pages and all sorts of stuff. But just come chat. We like to talk movies. I like to talk movies, and we'll be happy to do so with you. Okay, let's dive into our first film, Sisu from Lionsgate. This stars Jorma Tomilla, Axel Henney, Jack Doolin, and Mimosa Willamo. It is written and directed by Jalmari Hallander. Cinematography is by Kel Lagaros. Music is by Yuri Seppa and Tuomos Wenola. It runs 91 minutes and is rated R for strong bloody violence, gore, and language. What's it about? When an ex-soldier who discovers gold in the Lapland wilderness of Finland tries to take his loot into the city, he must contest with Nazi soldiers fleeing Norway, led by a brutal SS officer. Sisu is in English. I think that that's an important note here. Many might assume it would be in Finnish. There is 
one or two lines of Finnish in the film, but primarily it's an English language feature. At least that's the way it came to me when I reviewed it. So I assume that's how it's going to play in theaters. There's not a ton of dialogue at all in the film. It does have some. The main character actually doesn't speak almost ever. I believe his only lines come at the very, very end of the movie. In fact, if I recall correctly. So it is a lean and mean revenge-esque type of action thriller. And it's basically just him killing Nazis. So does that ever get old? No, no, it does not. Sisu is not the name of the character. Sisu is a Finnish word that describes someone with a stoic determination, grit, bravery, resilience, and hardness. So it's very fitting, but it is, I think, easy to make a comparison between something like Sisu and John Wick. And I know that going into the film, I personally assumed that this man's name was Sisu. His name is actually Itami Korpi. He is a Finnish war hero. I won't give you quite his entire backstory, primarily because it's not very deep and you only get a little bit of it in the movie. One real scene where it dives into what his backstory is. If I have a major criticism of the film, that's probably what holds this back from being any sort of great on the level of, again, like a John Wick. And I'm going to try not to just make comparison to that all the way through, but it is so easy to do. And I think it gives a good understanding of what you're going to see here for you who are potentially making your decision on whether or not to go check this out. This is a movie about a man who we see living alone in a teepee out in the wilderness with his horse and his dog. He's panning for gold. He wears a wedding ring, which is just has some quick shots of, so you kind of get an idea that maybe he's a widow. His body is full of scars and knife and bullet wounds. And that's really it until we get a brief, sh again, moment where they tell us the legend of, of who this man is. There's just very little characterization for him outside of that. And I think that because of that and because of the lack of speaking and because there is really no world building here, this is just a point A to point B movie. This man, he finds gold and he wants to go take it to the bank because he's done with the war. And he comes across some Nazis who don't want to let him do that. And he fights back. And then those Nazis try to track him down and hunt him. And it becomes an escalating game of death. This Nazi death squad is portrayed very much as you would expect as pure evil. They are slavers. They are rapists of young girls that they've spared from the villages they've burned. They're thieves. They're brutal murderers. They're very mean. And as the narration tells us early in the movie that they have just been leaving scorched earth behind them as they pull out of Norway and the Finland area. The battles between Atami and the Nazis are not all head-on combat either. And that's something I really liked. So the fighting is brutal, but it's more brutal and gory in a war film way than it is like a horror film 
way. So you think of a movie that shows realistic depiction of someone that gets blown up by a mine that they stepped on. That's the kind of gory you're going to be seeing here. But it's not just fighting. Again, there's some cat and mouse tactics that take place. And honestly, there's a lot of downtime in this that is not spent with action. This is again, this is not like John Wick where he is mowing down hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of unnamed dudes. That's not how Corpy is able to take on this Nazi squad. He has to be smarter about it. He has to take them out onesies, twosies, and he gets himself hurt fairly bad at times and has to be able to recover from that. And I really enjoyed the fact that it moves at a much slower pace and that there's time that passes between each interaction because it gives the deaths a lot more impact since there's not an infinite number of them. I really enjoyed Corpy as a character, his love for his dog. It's beautiful. Another comparison there to like a John Wick series and how dogs play into that. I love the cinematography of this. It's got a grimy, dirty look to it, but yet it's very crisp. And there are some beautiful images that we get to see of, for example, sunlight rays coming through some trees or showing us characters cloaked in shadow. It just has a very captivating look to it. The last hour really, really rips and I think pays off the whole movie in a solid way because it becomes a well-earned revenge for some of the girls that we meet early in the film. There are definitely a couple of pretty unbelievable moments in the climax, but by that point, generally your thinking is, who really cares? Because they rock, and that's what we want from our superheroes, isn't it? Even if they don't wear capes, we want them to be so above and beyond in their capability that they can take down any and all evil, punish it, and save the week. And that's what this is all about. There's also a really, really beautiful score here. I liked the drum bass and the chanting of it. It's heavy, it's atmospheric, and it's got some metal music mixed in there that really gets you amped at the right moments. Couldn't believe this was only made for about $6 million. It's, again, lean and mean. That's the way I like to refer to this. And I really enjoyed it. It's a story of a tough, you know, Finn who just wants to move on with his life and these jackasses won't let him and they get what's coming to them. And it's always a good watch. Sisu is available in theaters on April 28th. The other film I have for this episode is The Black Demon, coming to us from The Avenue Entertainment. It stars Josh Lucas, Fernanda Urejola, Julio Cesar Cedillo, Hector Jimenez, and Jorge A. Jimenez. It is directed by Adrian Grunberg and written by Carlos Cisco and Boise Esquera. The cinematography is by Antonio Riestra. It runs 100 minutes and is rated R for some grisly images. What's it about? Stranded on a crumbling rig in Baja, a family faces off against a vengeful megalodon shark. Shark movie. I'm a mark. Love me a good shark movie. Sign me up every single time. The legend behind the black demon is this. 
According to stories from fishermen around Baja, California, the black demon legend has been told from generation to generation. It is said that thousands of fishermen have died facing this creature due to the fact that their bodies are never found. It is also told that the black demon is the killer of hundreds of whales that are found dead along the Pacific Ocean coasts in what appears to be an attack from a huge beast. It has been seen in the Mar de Cortes area too. So that is what they're pulling from. If you thought you were going to get a straightforward shark attack movie, like I had hoped, you would be sorely disappointed. This is a film that was clearly made on a very small budget, and it unfortunately shows. We only see the Megalodon, I want to say, one, two, maybe three times in full size, out of water, or even underwater, but in the full frame. Other than that, it's something that you just see shadows of lurking and fancy camera tricks that try to put you in a perspective of someone who's either about to be attacked or of the shark as it's coming up on some sort of prey to establish like that horror vibe. This movie does have some, I guess, light gore to it. They called it grisly images in the rating description, and that's a good way to put it. There are body parts, so there are some moments where you're going to see halves of torsos. You're going to see fingers and arms and legs kind of floating around in pools of blood. It's not frequent, but it is there, and it does get across the point that this is a gigantic megalodon that is chomping people up, and therefore there is carnage in its wake. The movie starts off with a shark attack on some divers who are out at night on an oil rig. We don't see it, but we know what is happening, and it establishes the threat. Then the movie introduces us to Paul, played by Josh Lucas. He is an oil man for a company called Nixon, and he is there to inspect or decommission an oil rig. Not quite 100% sure what exactly he's going there to do. We learn really quickly that the locals are not too fond of him, understandably so, because of what they have done. And he claims that the oil company was responsible for building their town. That upsets them. He's kind of like a colonizer in their eyes because they think that the oil company and the oil rig has ruined their land and their town. And he, of course, sees it as a businessman would and is all about profits and not about what it's doing to people. He is there with Ines and their kids, Audrey and Tommy, on a vacation to enjoy <laughs> this area while he just pops over and does some work. There's great chemistry between the two kids. We don't get to see a ton of them together, but especially in the introductory scenes, they're nothing special, but they did feel pretty natural as far as the dialogue goes and the interactions between uh, Audrey, who's like a teenage young girl, and Tommy, who's a little bit more of maybe an elementary-aged kid. The townsfolk are exhibiting kind of a strange, I don't want to say mystical, but like religious behavior. They have a shrine in the center of town and they put gifts like money and little carved statues of gods on it. So you know right away that there is something that has them rattled that they are concerned about. Eventually, we start to find out that it's the shark. And 
The film takes a rather interesting angle with this whole religious aspect, and then it kind of ties that into an ecological one that didn't fully work for me, probably because the performers are all serviceable. No one is great. The script is very average. And again, we just don't have enough action. We don't get to see the shark enough. It's just a B movie, if anything is. But it's not a B movie that leans into the right things. The way that the film deals with its story is that there's this oil rig, right, that has has been leaking oil. And so essentially it has ruined the area from an ecological perspective. And so because of that, the locals believe that gods have sent this black demon to pay them back. This black demon, this big megalodon, is vengeance. Then we also get into some interesting ideas about what did Paul know that his company Nixon Oil was doing? Was he responsible? Why is there an oil rig leaking oil? Why hasn't it been fixed? Why haven't they helped anyone? Do they know about the shark? Those questions are all mysteries that eventually get answered and present varying levels of effective drama, (laughs) I would say. Usually it's not that great. Pretty much everything about this is what I would use the word serviceable to describe. It's just okay. The acting is okay. And it leans into not that good. The script is okay, leaning into not that great. The CGI, again, I mentioned only shows the shark a few times. So it's okay when we see it, but my goodness, we needed it more. But the whole story trying to be a metaphor by the end of the film just didn't work to me. It it really builds into this very melodramatic conclusion that is sort of corny, but also kind of sweet and also somewhat mildly exciting for a second. So I have very mixed feelings. There's a couple of moments in here where the movie tries to get fancy and throw in this stylish energy where there's flashing images of ecological disasters and the memories of people from the land. And it it just, it really hits this message home in such a heavy manner that it kind of like turned me off, to be honest, because that's really what it wanted to do. And I think the problem is it's trying to make up for the fact that it can't show the shark wreaking havoc. There's just only so many bodies. There's only like a handful of people in this movie. So there's not a lot of folks that it can kill and you don't have the budget to show it. And so you're trying to find a way to entertain your audience. And so you create this tremendously weird ecological metaphor instead of actually showing the beast. So it didn't fully work for me, unfortunately. It was watchable. It was watchable. Like I didn't mind my 100 minutes with it if it had gone much beyond that kind of a runtime i probably would have started to check out mentally but i was staying with it to see what happened in the end i can't recommend this for a theater visit at all i just don't think it's worth the money the black demon will be in select theaters on april 28th but for massive shark movie fans i think it's maybe worth the rental if you just have nothing else to watch listen it's not very good But if you like shark movies, it's okay. And that is probably the highest praise that I can give.
Well, that's it for this week on FF Plus. Thanks for being here. Thank you for listening as always. It is much appreciated. I hope that everyone is having a wonderful week. I can't wait to be back with you again, which I'm sure will happen very soon. Until then, keep watching and keep feeling filmed.